welcome back in to Crossing State Lines. I'm Jake, joined as always from the beautiful, idyllic, wonderful, incredible, outstanding town of Stoneham, Massachusetts. It's Dave Albiani. Dave, what's going on? Uh, you know, not much. Just still living in quarantine like like everyone else, or I should say most of the states now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. But uh, I think there's a I think there's probably a few too many adjectives describing Stoneham there. I think maybe you could get away with like good good town of Stoneham or maybe very good town of Stoneham. But once you start throwing three or four really good verbs, I don't know. But or adjectives, I mean, I don't know about that. Wow, wow, really good. That's the best descriptor of Stoneham that Dave has ever given us. So we'll have to take what we can get. Yeah, I I I'm honestly a little I'm a little rattled. I don't think I should have said that. Well, you know what? I'm sure the uh, great town of Stoneham appreciates it, and your uh, your mayor or your town manager or whatever you guys have up there appreciates <laughs> it. Even though I said you were, you know, like I guess technically you, you can't govern at, and you know do all the work you do. You gotta have somebody take care of some of that stuff. So, you know, you know, it's just kind of what you they do. They only call me for the big decisions. You know, that's right. They gotta call you with the big stuff, which is fair. It's fair. Yeah, you you you, you kind of you, you delegate the other stuff. And you take care of the big matters, and you get your name on that plaque. You get your name in the history books. That's all that matters. Like when they say, like, all right, there's a new building that's going to go here, and uh, Taco Bell wants to go in there, and I say, uh, hell yes, put that in there. Agreed. Stamp of approval. Well, Dave, uh, we're not talking about good things today on the podcast. Uh, in the latest installment of our In Our Lifetime series, which is uh, things that cover the years 1993 until now, we're going to talk about the uh, the biggest NFL draft busts. The NFL draft just took place, uh, was it a week ago now, two weeks ago now? Um, I believe it was two weeks now, yeah. Right, so we're right on the ball when it comes to this, aren't we? Um, so what we did was we looked at uh, all the – we looked mostly at the top 10 or 15 from the first round, but there were some exceptions, as you'll see. Uh, we put together a master list. Dave and I ranked them. Dave sent his rankings over. I put them all together into the composite, and we have a uh, not clear-cut top ten, but we have a pretty good top ten. I would say, you know, Dave looked at it. I looked at it. It's not. It's, it's pretty good, I would say. Pretty comprehensive of uh, some of the worst draft picks made in the past 20, 25 years. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, when we were going through it, I think we wanted to hit on the main guys, and then we could pick from there for us, for our list, but... Um, and I, I think we did that. And uh, as when as anyone knows that when you think of specifically draft bus, you know that most of them are going to probably be from QB because QB is the position that's very easy to spot a draft bust. Uh, there's obviously if you're a linebacker, you know, even if you're kind of a bust, you can still be a good special teams player. You can be good at one aspect, like you can be going to first down against the run. So there's, it's it's harder to rank them or, or stack them up as a bust unless there's a lot of players around them that were obviously Hall of Famers or that caliber player. Indeed. Dave said it, as usual when it comes to football, way better than I ever could have. Uh, so, Dave, are you ready to dive into our top 10 biggest NFL draft busts of our lifetime? Let's do it. All I'm excited right. about this one. And uh, great way to start when I say that we, uh, we generally agreed on some of these things with uh, one that didn't even make your list, Dave. So at number 10, uh, you could say recency bias played into it a, a little bit, but you know what? The guy sucks. What can I tell you? Number 10, we have uh, Johnny Manziel 
2014, Johnny Manziel was drafted 22nd overall. Dave, as you noted here, he was taken ahead of D Ford, Teddy Bridgewater, Demarcus Lawrence, Derek Carr, and special t- close to home for us, Kyle Van Noy. Um, obviously, he might not have had, might not have had the draft buzz that other guys did, but Johnny Manziel. I remember watching this draft in my dorm room and waiting for his name to be called. You knew there was there was speculation that he was gonna go like no, this was the clowny draft if I'm not mistaken. And there was, you know, there was buzz that he might go close to number one or in the top ten, and then he kept falling and falling, and then finally, he got picked uh, by the inauspicious uh, uh, selecting team, the Cleveland Browns, where careers go to die by and large. So Johnny Manziel went there, and he had a forgettable tenure with the Browns, and he is now out of professional football. Now, like I said, we usually stuck to the top 10 for this, but Johnny Manziel and another quarterback that did not make the top 10 but made my list, uh, there were just a couple exceptions that had to be made. And Johnny Manziel uh, is one of them. I get why he didn't make your list, Dave, um, but, I mean, he's he's just a big enough name for me that pe- there was not a, like a, a load of buzz around him, but there was enough buzz where it was like, all right, this kid has something to prove. And he just never did. He had issues and he got them. You know, it's good that he's kind of, you know, getting cleared up now. But as a player, he just, he never got close to where people thought he was going to be. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was not good and he had a lot of issues off the field that kind of led him to be not as good. And uh, I, I mean, I think overall, like his work ethic was pretty solid and I think he has some good tools overall as a player. Like, you know, he's pretty athletic. He has that wow play factor where he can create something out of nothing. But for the most part, you saw that once he started in the NFL, you know, he did a couple of, of good things. He's sort of like Baker Mayfield in college and that he like he created, he eluded tacklers. But like once he got into the NFL, those plays kind of became losses or sacks or turnovers just because they're more prepared. Defense is more disciplined. You're game planning for a specific guy every week. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure the, the Browns had the best personnel around him anyway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really knock having him on the list. I didn't have him on the list. I probably had him like 16th. Maybe I'd bump him up a little bit more. But um, I think I gave him a little more leeway because he was in the 20s as opposed to the top 10. And uh, I just didn't really expect a lot from him. So me personally, I didn't really see this as a huge, huge bust. Well, I probably could have, I could have probably put him a little bit lower. But you know what? I'm not all that you know crazy about it i think he was he's definitely uh, deserving of being higher on the list you know what like you said quarterbacks they kind of get a little bit more uh, a little bit more scrutiny so that's uh that's my that's my argument and i'm sticking to it uh all right so dave coming in number nine this guy did make both of our lists he was sixth for you 14th for me but he did make my list uh that puts him at number nine it is the uh 10th overall pick in the 2006 nfl draft to the Arizona Cardinals quarterback Matt Leiner out of USC. Wow. Yeah, he was taking one pick in front of Jay Cutler, who I'm not saying is, you know, Aaron Rodgers, but I would argue Jay Cutler had a better career than Matt Leiner did. That's just me. Probably everybody would say that too. Uh, and two picks in front of future Hall of Famer Haloti Nada. So a couple of guys they probably could have been better off with or definitely could have been better off with. And they ended up with Matt Leinart, a great college quarterback. But like with the case of so many great college quarterbacks, it just did not translate to the NFL. Yeah, I mean, this was 
this was a guy that I think people had questions about him leading an offense in the NFL coming into the draft. And he obviously put up great production under Pete Carroll at USC. They had Reggie Bush. They had a great offense. It was explosive. They were perennial contenders for the national championship. But uh, Matt Leiner was just was not very good in the NFL. Uh, I, I didn't really love his arm strength, and I didn't really love him as a quarterback in general. And, um, you know, you don't always have to have all the best physical traits to succeed like Tom Brady doesn't. And, you know, there's plenty of other guys like Brian Hoare has been in the league years, and he doesn't, he doesn't have any of the top traits, but he's been, you know, a moderately successful backup and spot starter. So, but, yeah, Matt Leiner, his strength in college was completing passes and putting the ball where it needs to be. And in, in the NFL, he just didn't do that. He threw too many picks, didn't really make enough wild plays, and his completion percentage was was not very good in the 50% range in the first three years that really that's when you kind of get your chance as a top 10 pick. So Matt Liner, uh, Dave, can you guess, uh, it was his rookie season. How many yards he threw for in his rookie season? He definitely didn't throw for a lot. Um, say like 2000. Right. Uh, hey, uh, prices, right. Rules would be pretty close. 2,547 yards. He threw 11 yeah. touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That's uh, what we call in the biz. Not good. Want to take a stab at his completion rate? He's probably yeah, probably 50s, so 58. Ooh, 56.8. Ooh, which, close, but over. Again, not good. So he was in Arizona for four years, which if you do the math on that, he did not get welcome back for a second contract. Uh, and then apparently took a year off from playing, uh, ended up in Houston as the backup or some sort of, yeah, backup quarterback. Uh, and then in Oakland for two games to end his career in 2012, played six years in the league, threw for 14, I'm sorry, 15 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. Not good for a top 10 pick in the draft. Yeah, no, it was, it was not a very good career. And, uh, he's actually become a decent, um, football announcer or analyst, I should say. So he's had a good second career, and I think he's smart and well-spoken, so maybe that will carry him. But, yeah, he's, he's a college quarterback, and that was kind of it for him. He never never succeeded. All right, Dave, let's move on to uh, number eight. This guy was third on your list, made the podium for Dave Albiani. Did not make my list at all. Uh, maybe it's just because he's so forgettable that I just don't even care. Uh, the 2002 third overall pick, QB for Detroit, the Detroit Lions out of Oregon, Joey Harrington. Uh, my God. Uh, Joey Harrington, Dave, speaking of rookie years, you want to take a stab at a let's, – let's, the, the, let's do three categories here. Want to guess Joey Harrington's completion rate, touchdowns, and interceptions his rookie season. Third overall, right. third overall pick. Played 14 Intercep- games. Interceptions, 21. 16, but close. <laughs> Um, he touchdowns. Did, he did nine. throw twenty-two his second year, so maybe you're just a year off. Uh, nine touchdowns. Twelve touchdowns. All right, and then completion percentage fifty-six. Fifty point one. Oof. Fifty point one. He completed one Yikes. out of every two passes. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. The what? only, the only stat that he really ever led the league in was picks his second year. He threw 22 interceptions his second season. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, this this was a guy that, I mean, he had a lot of natural ability. Like, he was mobile. He had a good arm. He's pretty accurate. But 
this guy was just kind of like an interception machine for most of his career. He had the his third year in Detroit. He actually was he had a pretty good year. Um, when you look at touchdown interception ratio, nineteen to twelve, like that's nothing to be excited about, but that's enough to get you a win potentially. But realistically, once they started measuring QBR in two thousand six, he was forty six and forty seven on the QBR scale. So he was never an above average quarterback. Uh, and his mobility really. You what? Oh, I didn't say anything. Oh, <laughs> what happened there? I I thought I heard I thought I heard you say something. I don't want to cut you off. But, no, no, no. Um, no, but it, he just he never really succeeded with accuracy either. Like his whole career, he was pretty much in the fifties for completion percentage, which in the NFL that's that's awful. I mean, you got to be better than that. And he only had one year he passed for over three thousand yards, and he threw for three thousand forty seven. So. This guy was just was just an absolute zero. He's kind of a backup, if that, if anything. Yeah. And, uh, well, he did end up getting his revenge. The year after he uh, was out of football, the Detroit Lions would win zero games. So, you know what? <laughs> Joey Harrington did end up getting his revenge. Um, that being said, a terrible pick. And uh, not really anybody around him that was too spectacular, but... Uh, he's just one of those busts where he was supposed to be good and he just sucked and he wasn't that franchise cornerstone for the Detroit Lions in any way, shape, or form. Number seven, Dave. Uh, this is the first overall pick, so the first top pick so far in our top ten. He was fifth for you, 13th for me, the first overall pick in the 2002 NFL Draft to the expansion Houston Texans quarterback David Carr. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's pretty bad. He didn't get a lot of line help, that's for sure. He got sacked a lot in his career, especially early on. But he also was taken one spot ahead of a guy who will be in the Hall of Fame in Julius Peppers at number two. And I know that you don't start your franchise on a defensive end, but he probably would have given you a little bit more than David Carr ever did. Yeah, I mean, David Carr was, I think, one of the worst draft picks. Um, he's just wasn't mobile. He had deer in headlights like immediately, like when he started his career because of all the sacks, obviously. And it was, to be fair, it was a really tough situation because it's expansion teams are really not a good spot for young quarterbacks to be in, especially when they get thrown to the wolves right away, because that's just not usually a team that's going to compete. Like Vegas is one of those rare exceptions for hockey where they competed for the Stanley cup their first year. Normally expansion teams go through a lot, a long process of, of losing, building through the draft, signing guys, you know, hitting on maybe one or two guys from other teams that they take from the expansion draft, like a Gerald Wallace and Charlotte for the Bobcats was was predominantly a starter there for a while. But overall, I mean, D- David Carr was just not really a very good quarterback. He, again, was not accurate. He was not mobile. Uh, he had trouble reading the defense. He had every problem in the book, except really he could throw the ball a little bit. So David Carr was not a good pick. So David Carr, uh, for reference, he started every game. They just threw him right into the fire. Absolute yep. baptism by fire. He started every game. He went 4-12, and threw for uh, nine touchdowns. That's, that's not good. Uh, 15, 15 interceptions, also pretty bad. Only completed 52.5% of his passes, which is, for seasons as a starter, the worst he ever did. Um... See if this, let me get to the sack numbers. You want to take a stab, Dave? Just take a stab. How many times was David Carr sacked 
in his first season as quarterback? Um, 23. So you think David Carr was sacked 23 times his first season as a quarterback? Correct. That is incorrect. David Carr set the NFL record when he was sacked <clears throat> 76 times. Oh, my God. 76 <laughs> times. Oh, my God. The fact he survived to play another season is remarkable. I will say this for David Carr. We are shitting on him. We say he is one of the worst draft busts in the past 25 years, no doubt. He did in four of his first five seasons. He played every single game, and he started every single game. So credit words do that he had the uh, kind of that, that willpower to go out there every week and play, and he kind of was, you know, he had good stamina. He was, in, you know, was able to endure whatever injuries he was suffering. But David Carr... Uh, j- by the way, Dave, just for <laughs> just for good measure, his third year in 2004, he was sacked 49 times. And his fourth year in 2005, he was sacked 68 times. In his career, yeah. in his career, David Carr was sacked 267 times. And he only was a starter for five years. Jesus. That's <laughs> over 50 sacks a year. <laughs> Poor bastard. I can't believe he lasted in the league for 10 years even as a backup for most of those years, or half those years. Uh, but those numbers aside, and yes, we feel terrible, he was sacked a whole lot, uh, but he was still not good, uh, even if we couch it all with this and that and this and that. Uh, and couch might be, a, uh, might be, a, might be a, a teaser for later on, but we couch it with this and that. But you look at the numbers, David Carr, he just wasn't good. He was uh, just another guy, just another guy. All right, Dave, number six, our first non-quarterback on the list. Uh, Just a smidge ahead of David Carr. He was fifth for me, 12th for you. 2014, the second overall pick in the draft of the St. Louis Rams offensive tackle, Greg Robinson. Yeah, so you will know, you'll probably be able to analyze more about him as a player, and I know he wasn't very good, so, you know, there's that. But Greg Robinson was taken ahead of Khalil Mack, Jake Matthews, Mike Evans, and Anthony Barr. And that is just in the top 10. Because, as you know, Dave, there were other guys taken just after that who uh, were also much better than Greg Robinson and who could have steered the direction of the Rams in a better direction than Greg Robinson ever did, uh, including a guy that would end up with the Rams anyway. Um if I'm not mistaken, a guy that's just a smidge better than, than Greg Robinson. Uh, I believe it's uh, Aaron Donald. Donald, is that how you pronounce it? That, sound, that sounds right. He's only, like, the best defensive player in football. So I guess they got it right at some point, like 10 picks later. But that's what makes the Greg Robinson pick so egregious, was that they said, you know what? We like Aaron Donald. We do. We like him. But we like this Greg Robinson guy so much more. He's so much better. And to think you could have had Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald in the same defense. Scary. That's ridiculous. Or you could have had, you know, throwing it to Mike Evans or Anthony Barr on defense. Even Jake Matthews is a better offensive tackle option. So they had a lot of other picks available to them. And this isn't like, a, oh, well, you can't say that in hindsight. Like, well, this is people's jobs is to scout these guys. They're supposed to know. Like, I'm not talking, like, Julian Edelman in the seventh round or Gronk in, what, what, in the – I mean, it's still the second round. But I'm not talking, like, Edelman in the seventh round or something like that. This is 
like guys who are in the top ten. Like, I just I don't get it. But Dave, you could probably lend more uh, lend more uh, intelligence to Greg Robinson, the player. Yeah, I mean, for, when you when you draft the top ten, you certainly can't make mistakes because otherwise you're just going to be perennial perennially there. And that's what happens when you see with the Browns and I don't know, the Dolphins and the Bengals. Like, you you just can't mess up top ten picks because it sets your franchise back. Like, you're the reason you're in the top ten is to try to get that building block that can transform a defense and offense or whatever it may be. But I mean, Greg Robinson was really, really bad. Like he can't pass block at all. He's an okay run blocker, but he can't pass block at all. And my favorite story about Greg Robinson is he was the Brown starter at tackle this year. And yeah. yeah, And they knew that, they knew that they could get him through waivers, so they waived him at the end of cutdown because they knew no one wanted him. And then they brought him back and still had him as the starter. Like, if your tackle can survive waivers and still nobody wants him, and you can sign him for the minimum and plug him back in to be your franchise's left tackle to protect your number one asset, that's probably not a good idea. That's probably not a good player. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Greg Robinson, everyone thought he was athletic, he's big, he's a mauler, but he ended up being none of that and he's just really really a bad player uh before we move on this is something i should have said before we started that um the cutoff of this 2016 obviously we're not going to say somebody from two years ago or last year is a bust you know like like dave said off air you need to give them a few years before you really know and i think 2016 is a good a good measuring stick they have at least four years in the league and nobody from that draft made it anyway 2014 is the latest i believe we go so you know there's that um all right so number five uh, back to quarterbacks, Dave, in case you were just itching to get back to under center. Uh, we actually have a three-way tie for third, but the way that tiebreakers worked, uh, this guy fell to number five. Uh, the eighth overall pick in 2011, quarterback out of Washington, the Tennessee Titans, Jake Locker. To be honest, Dave, as I wrote here, uh, Locker, Gabbert, or Ponder could have been any of those three, quite honestly. But since Jake Locker went the highest, it has to be Jake Locker. Um, so you, you're reading this in front of me as well, but so, you know, I'm not going to surprise you, but you want to hear some of the guys that Jake Locker was taken in front of? Read them off. Do you want your blood to boil? So in case you weren't okay with future hall of famers like Tyron Smith or JJ Watt coming to, uh, coming to Tennessee, you also could have had Mike Pouncey, a great center or Ryan Kerrigan, one of my favorite linebackers in the league. So instead of those guys, you went with Jake Locker, who I don't think I'm saying anything revelatory here, Dave. Sucked. Sucked. Do you remember the famous Sports Illustrated cover with Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, and Cam Newton on it? And it was like, who's going to be number one? And it's like, well, it should be Cam Newton uh, because those other guys just suck. Like, and I wasn't even a big college football fan at the time, but I'm like, who the hell are these guys? I couldn't even tell you where Blaine Gabbert went to school. Yeah, I mean, Jake Locker was more into baseball, I think, at the time he did get drafted. I think it was by the Angels, but he was definitely more into baseball, and he kind of just liked football marginally, which to be a quarterback in the NFL, that's just not going to work. Like, you need to breathe and sleep and eat football. because You need to be the leader, and you need to be the guy that knows everyone else's positions. Um, and unless you can do that, you just, you're not going to work out. So, um, I mean, Jake Locker had some good tools. He was totally erratic though, throwing the football. 
and he had some mobility, but he also had a ton of injury problems. Like he got hurt a lot. He got banged up a lot playing quarterback for the Titans. And uh, just with him in that situation, number eight, he was, I believe, going to be the number one pick going into that year. Like these are the tools that he had and people thought he was really good. Had a down year at Washington and then got bumped down in the draft. Um, It's just, it's another example of a quarterback who your team is reaching because they need a solution rather than believing in the player, I think. And right. Yeah. You always just try to take the best player available, and this is why that works, is because you end up with a J.J. Watt or someone like that who even if you don't believe they're a star player, if you believe that right away they're going to come in and impact the defense, that's worth more than taking a shot on Jake Locker who sets back your, your team three years. Yeah, he's just, uh, uh, like you said, injuries ended, I think it was concussions ended his career early. He only played four years in the league. He was only a starter for three of those. His first and his really the the best reference point for him as a starter was 2012. He started 11 games. He went four and seven, 56.4 percent completion rate, 10 touchdowns, 11 picks. Like you say, he's just inconsistent, unreliable, and for going eight overall, just not good. And you know, t- say what you want about Gabbert and Ponder, they do suck, but they did last longer in the league. And you know, that goes for something when you're talking about, you know taking a quarterback that high. They aren't good. <laughs> they aren't like, wow, look at Gabbard and Ponder. They were so much better. I bet they regret taking them. But, man, Jake Locker, just not uh, – you could have had Tyron Smith defending whoever you had back there, or you could have had J.J. Watt, you know, running rough shot on, on offensive, offensive lines. But, uh, nope, Jake Locker was the guy for the Titans. So, uh, good luck to them. They, uh, they are – they're bringing back uh, Ryan Tannehill this year, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Good luck to them. Best of luck to the Tennessee Titans. Dave, number four, ready to get to our Mount Rushmore? Let's do it. Dynamite. Another quarterback. Uh, the tiebreaker here was he was fourth on your list. He was twelfth on mine. By the way, Locker, I was seventh for me, ninth for you, so pretty much in lockstep there. Uh, number four for us, fourth for you, twelfth for me. The top overall pick in the 1999 NFL Draft, quarterback Tim Couch to the Cleveland Browns. So, Cleveland Browns, Dave, you might have heard they've made some pretty bad draft picks in their time. They've had some pretty bad quarterbacks in their time. And if you look at their, you know like all those Browns fans that have the jerseys where it's like a bunch of different quarterback names? And it's like, oh, we've had this many quarterbacks, you know, the past 20 years. Look at us, our misery and all that stuff. You know those jerseys? You see them on Twitter all the time. Oh, of course. Tim Couch is often the name at the top of that jersey. And for good reason. Because Tim Couch was taken the pick ahead. Now, remember, he's number one. And number two was Donovan McNabb who you can say whatever you want about McNabb vomiting on the field in the Super Bowl or not ever being able to get the Eagles to the promised land. But he would have been a way better option than Tim Couch ever was. Yeah, I mean, McNabb had had certainly had some detractors, and he was kind of, again, a a little turnover prone at times with the football, and he took some unnecessary hits, and it led to some nagging injuries along the way. Um, sort of like Andrew Luck did early in his career. But, I mean, Tim Couch had some certainly okay years. Like his rookie year, he finished with more touchdowns and interceptions, which 
honestly, that's more than most people can say um, for any season for a lot of young quarterbacks. So, um, but 56% completion percentage, he only had two years above 60% completion percentage wise. Um, and he had, you know, 21 interceptions his third year, which is really the year you're supposed to kind of be putting it together. And he started every game that year. So, uh, and funny fact, fun, fun fact though, the third and fourth year of his career, career in Cleveland, the Browns won seven and eight games. So, I mean, realistically for most teams, they probably don't want that but for the Browns. It's kind of like winning the Super Bowl, seven and eight wins at this point. Well, so you, you say that, Dave, but let's remember 2002 was uh, famously the season where Tim Couch got injured and the fans cheered. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah, that is a low blow for even Browns fans to do for even uh, fans of the Cleveland Browns to, uh, you know, they're not exactly even at that point in 2002. We're not uh, you know, like, wow, we've had so much success in our storied history recently. How dare this guy ruin it for us? Uh, but that was the year Tim Couch uh, threw 18 touchdowns and 18 picks. <laughs> so, I mean, can this the symmetry there is just fantastic. If you know you're you're looking at yeah, you, know, you see 18 touchdowns, 18 picks, really an incredible consistency. Throws a touchdown, throws a pick. That's I mean, hey, what more can you ask for other than fewer picks? Yeah, and and honestly, like when you look at his stats, you don't think huge bust. Like obviously they're not. Pro Bowl stats and they're not good stats, but they're nothing like some of the other guys we'll talk about, like Joey Harrington or even or something like that. Like 15 and 13 his first year, that's pretty damn good for a rookie to not throw more interceptions than touchdowns. Like Peyton shattered his touchdowns with a ton of interceptions. I mean, he was a machine his first year. Um, and certainly there have been a lot of other QBs, but the, the way you need you, you judge quarterbacks is you got to see growth in their third and fourth year, especially like that's, that's two full off seasons, two full years after your rookie year that you can learn, watch film, study with the coaches. And, you know, his third and fourth year, he combined to throw 39 interceptions. I mean, that's not getting any better. That's getting worse. It's going down the wrong way. Yeah. So my question to you would be then, Dave, is you're, you're saying, you know, rookie season wasn't that bad and, he did win seven and eight games, and this is the Browns we're talking about. So why is he fourth on your list? Because he got progressively worse. So honestly, he's still a huge bust because he's he was a top pick. And he's as a QB, like I said to you, I think off air, QBs have much more on their plate. So it's easier to see them being a bust. Like it's it's harder to judge a linebacker, even if you draft like like Aaron Curry didn't make our list. He was the fourth overall pick. He was an okay special teams player. He wasn't anything special, and he washed out of the league. Mm. But he's a guy that you could see as a backup linebacker somewhere and contributing at certain spots to use his ability. He's pretty athletic. Whereas a QB, if they fail and they start throwing interceptions, not only are they not advancing their career, they're hurting the team. So to throw an interception, you now gave the offense, you either took away points from your team or you gave the the other offense a big jump in where they're getting the field position. So QBs to me, especially ones that throw a lot of interceptions, I mean, this is easy for me to put him up there. Can't argue with that. So uh, Tim Couch, one of the worst draft picks of all time, not just the past 25 years. He's one of the worst draft picks, uh, one of the worst draft busts in league history. Dave, our final non-QB, coming in at number three, he was second for me. 14th for you. So, hey, he did make both of our lists at the end of the day. 
Uh, is the second overall pick. Is the second overall pick. 2004 NFL draft. Offensive tackle to the Oakland Raiders, Robert Gallery. So we talked off air about kind of how we measured busts. And yes, it also applies to how they played and how much they delivered for the team. But also the foresight of the organization in seeing, let's take this guy at second. This was the Eli Manning draft for those who need a refresher. So Eli Manning was taken first. Robert Gallery to the Raiders, who if you'll notice looking at the draft rosters year after year, are oftentimes picking in the top ten. The Raiders decided to go with Robert Gallery. Offensive tackle. Great. Awesome. Anchor that line. Dave, do you want to hear what came after Robert Gallery? E- e- I think everyone wants e- to. Yeah, I think so. So uh, future Hall of Famer, Larry Fitzgerald, was taken third. Who's ever heard of him? Uh, borderline future Hall of Famer, Philip Rivers, was taken fourth. Sean Taylor, rest in peace, was taken fifth by Washington. Roy Williams, the wide receiver, taken seventh. Not great, but he was a good player. Uh, and D'Angelo Hall was taken at eight. So even if you just restrict it to Larry Fitzgerald and Philip Rivers right after him, like, again, these are primo players. You should be looking at it like, you know what? Do we want franchise quarterback, franchise wide receiver, or potentially good offensive lineman for whatever dregs we're running out there as a quarterback? <laughs> Not to mention, beyond all that, Robert Gallery just wasn't any good. So There's that, too, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't good at all. No, he sucked. So he did at least make your list. He did, and he actually had a brief stint in New England at the end of his career. Well, there you go. He uh, he left training camp though, retired. He never actually played. He pulled the Eric Decker, Reggie Wayne treatment. Yeah, except uh, those guys, I think, had a better chance of making a team. <laughs> um, yeah, he just was uh, just you know just another offensive lineman. He was just not. Unfortunately, just kind of had to live in the wake of those other guys, and he was not a very good player himself. It's tough discussing offensive linemen because it's not like I can pull up their stats and laugh at them, quite like quarterbacks, but uh, don't worry. We'll have enough of that to do for uh, two and one. But Robert Gallery, yeah, just an easy pick for me. He was on both of our lists, so we both agree that he's at least a bust in some capacity. But, um, yeah, so there you go, Robert Gallery, number three on the old list, Dave Number two, and it's quite the jump because, wow, uh, a pretty consensus one-two from both of us. Number two, uh, first for you, Dave, third for me. 1998, the second overall pick in the draft, quarterback Ryan Leaf to the San Diego Chargers. We don't really need to to explain why Ryan Leaf is notable. Uh, Obviously taken after Peyton Manning, who was the number one overall pick, to the Colts. And then there was Ryan Leaf. Those were the two best quarterbacks in the draft, or so he thought. Look, to Ryan Leaf's credit, he's actually a pretty good listen now. Like, he's gone on podcasts and stuff, and he's gone on TV, and he's actually pretty interesting to listen to. But back in his playing days, he was insufferable, and he was a bad quarterback. That's just really the most succinct way to put it about Ryan Leaf. 
he's he was just never I mean he all, not to I mean forget the fact that he had to live in the shadow of Peyton Manning being the number one overall pick but he just never really brought it on the field at all he could never really get there he only played three years and only played two of them in San Diego he never started a full season barely played more than half the games he threw two touchdowns and 15 interceptions his rookie season two touchdowns and 15 interceptions what yeah and it's just one of those things when you when you think about him I mean he had a lot of arm talent and he had a lot of skill, and uh, certainly he could have maybe been something, but for whatever reason, he never put it together on the field. You know, he never was successfully reading defenses. His arm talent suggests that he should be able to get the job done. So it leads you to believe that he just couldn't, he couldn't read the defenses well enough. And I believe he does work with some QBs now. And oftentimes that happens with a lot of people. Is they're better teachers than they are players. And they're good working with, with other quarterbacks and, and helping them develop. But, uh, yeah, it's, he's always going to be that guy that people are going to talk about as, all right, this is one of the biggest busts we've ever seen. He should have been a, an automatic slam dunk and Andrew Walker or John Elway who came out and everyone was saying, all right, this guy is a number one pick. He's playing cut. He has everything you want. He's mobility, strength, accuracy. Um, and instead we're talking about him years later as, a guy that had a lot of off-the-field problems, a lot of baggage, and he never really lived up to it. And I mean, when the other guy that you're being compared to is Peyton Manning, who's one of the better quarterbacks to ever play the game, uh, you know, that's that's a tough blow to follow. Three and six is the first year he was out in 1999, didn't play. Uh, famously, he was 1-8 when he came back in 2000, and then he was 0-3 in 2001 with the Dallas Cowboys. He started three games there, lost all of them. 4-17 and 17 record as a starter, 14 touchdowns, 36 interceptions, and completed less than half of his passes for his career. So, yeah, Ryan Leaf was synonymous with NFL draft bust for about 10 years. And uh, that's a bit of a tease because we will get to that. But before we get to number one, some honorable mentions, Dave. Guys that made the cut for us but didn't make the top 10. Uh, 15th on your list, did not make my list, Jason Smith. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy. He's a bad offensive lineman. He played at Baylor, and he's number two overall pick again. Same with Greg Glenn Robinson. Uh, Greg Robinson, I should say. Greg, uh, Glenn Robinson played in the NBA. Greg Robinson was attacked. Different player. <laughs> Different league. <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is another scenario, too, where he's just not a very good tackle. And he roamed around and he moved around to different teams. I believe he was on the Jets for a while. Uh, but he's just another guy that had size, but he just never did anything with it. He never, he never really took care of anyone. You know, his as a tackle, you're the first line of defense on the outside to speed rushers and the power moves. You know, on the inside, it's more you're more likely to, to get beat just getting bowled over like if you're a smaller guy. That's why you like the bigger guys in the inside and you have the more athletic guys on the outside. Uh, but it's it's tough uh, because he just he had a lot of talent. He just never did anything with it. Also uh, made your cut but did not make mine, didn't make the list. Charles Rogers. Yeah, I mean, he's just – he's another guy. He had a lot of talent. I believe he played at Michigan State, and he was one of those guys that came in and had great ball skills, was tall, 
and he never did anything. And this was another receiver the Lions took until they finally hit on one with Calvin Johnson. Another guy that made your list but did not make mine, Vernon Golston. Yep, another another huge bust. And the funny thing about this one is a lot of people think the Jets took him because they thought the Patriots wanted him at seven. Instead, the Patriots trade down with the Saints, get a, an extra third-round pick, and they draft Gerard Mayo, who ended up being like a foundational player for them, who's now a coach and is probably going to be a future head coach, maybe even the future head coach at Tennessee if their coach gets fired in their future. But uh, he's a future head coach at, at some level. Dave, why did I write that Vernon Golston was drafted by the Buccaneers? <laughs> Who am I thinking I'm not of? sure. Who am I th- was it Everett Golston or something like that? Was that somebody that the Buccaneers had? Um, I don't know. I don't know why that was. Maybe am I thinking of Vernon Hargreaves? Was that who he got drafted by? Vernon Hargreaves got drafted by the Bucks. Yeah. Okay, maybe that's who I'm thinking of. I got my Vernons mixed up. Uh, next up, a guy that made. Let me see. Was it my list? Let me see here. I'm scrolling up the old Google Doc. Yep, uh, number you were number eleven for me. He did not make your list, Dave. We got Achilles Smith. Achilles Smith was the third overall pick in '99 by the Bengals quarterback. He uh, had the misfortune, though, of being taken ahead of two Hall of Famers in Edger and James and Champ Bailey. But um, counterpoint, it's the Bengals, so they were never going to get it right anyway. There's yeah, just- I, mean, I mean, it's just some things are just it's just going to happen. The Bengals are going to screw it up. Uh, tenth for me, uh, did not make your list, Dave. Mark Sanchez. I only wrote in the notes, butt fumble. That's all you really need to know. <laughs> I, I couldn't put him on the list because he did lead them to two AFC championship okay. games. Okay, all right, okay. Let, we're using the word lead very loosely there. I mean, yeah, he, he was he dominant? No. Was he a Tom, or no. Was he a Tom Brady or even a, an average quarterback? Maybe an average quarterback, probably a little bit below average, but he was good enough to win your games. I mean, we saw Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson win your games, so I think you could win with Mark Sanchez um, because – I think if if under the right coach he could control his turnovers in the right spot, and he had a good enough arm, he had some mobility. He's charismatic. He's a good leader. Uh, but again, you know, is he a good quarterback? Do I want him leading my team? No. But I think he's a good backup. Uh, well, if it weren't for that Super Bowl, Trent Dilfer would have made the list. But uh, can't put a Super Bowl winning quarterback on here. It's just you can't do it. Mark Sanchez did not lead shit to the title game. He was there. <laughs> That's it. The defense, yeah, the defense led them. Uh, both times. Uh, Dave, on your list, Troy Williamson for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that got drafted basically purely on speed. He was never really a good fit, never really was a pure route runner, and he just wasn't a good player, really, point blank. I mean, he just wasn't a good receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much I mean, honestly, I forgot his name – was even I forgot he was even a thing, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, he just was bad. And you're talking about a franchise that has had a lot of good luck in drafting receivers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next up, uh, made my list and not make yours. Kajana Carter, running back, uh, 1995 first overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals. So you know they were going to mess that up somehow. Uh, he was taken at number one. Dave, I know you can see it on the dock, but do you want to know who went two and three in that draft? Let's hear it. Uh, Tony Baselli, Hall of Fame offensive lineman, and Steve McNair, a rest in peace, a great quarterback who kind of revived that franchise. So, yeah, not Kajana Carter. Let's put it that way. Is it Kijana, Kajana, do you know? 
I think it's Kijana. I think it's Kijana, too. I think you're right. I think you are correct. Um, Eighth for me, did not make Dave's list, Tim Tebow. I get why you didn't make your list. He's too low in the first round. He's not like, you know, this great, you know, it wasn't like projected top ten guy. But counterpoint to that, it's Tim Tebow. And the fact he was taken in the first round at all is just insanity. And I like Tim Tebow. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a good analyst. I don't think he's a good baseball player. But he is, by all accounts, a great human being. He did not belong being taken in the first round in the NFL draft. I'm sorry. Yeah, this. I mean, this was a case where Josh McDaniels, I think, just thought he was smarter than everyone because he came from the Belichick school. Right. And uh, he thought he could turn Tebow into a quarterback. And, you know, if he did, you have something really special because he's so mobile, he's a great leader, and he's physical. Like, he, he adds a lot of elements, but he just, he's not a quarterback. You know, at a certain point, we got to, you know, we got to call it like we see it. He's not a quarterback. He can't throw the ball. So, you know, a lot of teams worked with him. He just, you know, when you see him throw in practice or warm-ups or anything, he's not a quarterback. He's a guy that throws the ball for fun around in practice. I mean, that's what it is. Oh, but hey, he led the Denver Broncos the divisional round. <laughs> he did convert that one throw that led them to the next round. He sure did. He sure did. Uh, former Patriots quarterback Tim Tebow is how we should phrase it, by the way. Just yeah. know, putting that out there. Uh, Dave, he made your top seven. He was number seven, but did not make our top ten. Vince Young. Yeah, I mean, Vince Young, I know why he probably didn't make your list. And, you know, he had that start to his career, I believe it was, where he won like five or six in a row. But um, overall, this is a guy that a lot was expected out of. And, you know, he just never produced. He never really was a consistent starter. He never really showed that he belonged. He was always kind of just working his way around the league and he'd get backup jobs and people would take a chance on him because at Texas, he was one hell of a player. I mean, that Rose Bowl is one of the best performances I've ever seen against USC. Um, you know, he had some pretty good skills. He was mobile. He was like the kind of quarterback you want in Madden. Like he's mobile. He can throw the ball. He's got a good arm. He was on the cover. Yeah, exactly. He's relatively accurate. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want in Madden. I mean, it's what makes people special. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, he just he couldn't put it together in the NFL for a long period of time. And people kept waiting for him to take the next step. And, you know, it's sort of like Marcus Mariota. Is he a guy that can win you some games? Sure. But there's going to be those few things that he does that hold you back. Can you, you want to guess what Vince Young's rating was in Madden 2008? Uh, 85. He was an 87 with a 90 speed. <laughs> I drafted him every time. Oh, my God. He is a great Madden player. That's for sure. That might be another uh, rating we have, ranking we have to do, even though we kind of already did that. But uh, and I won it by a landslide. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's that. Uh, Dave, the only player that made both of our lists but did not make the top ten, Trent Richardson, uh, the running back for the Cleveland Browns. He was taken third overall in uh, in the 2012 NFL draft. He was taken one pick in front of Matt Khalil. And he was taking six picks in front of a guy, I don't know if you ever, Luke Keekley, that ring a bell? And then uh, Stefan Gilmore as well. <laughs> Seven picks in front of Stefan Gilmore. And that's just in the top ten. Uh, and then he became not only a bust for the Browns, but a bust for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, this was, this was another example of a guy 
who was not any good. And, you know, the first year he kind of, he kind of did all right. He's a little, contested, but then he ends up getting traded and it just doesn't work out for anybody. Ryan Grigson is again, this thing that you can't pay a quarterback and build a defense, you can't vote, which is just literally the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, talk about a uh, GM, Ryan Grigson. I believe he works for the Browns now. Uh, but overall, just another guy that is just really kind of a strong thing didn't work out because he he was like Mark Ingram type. He was a bigger bruiser kind of back, but he had some speed and agility. Yeah. And uh, the last guy that uh, did not make our top ten but uh, did make – my list is uh, Courtney Brown, the first overall pick in 2000, defensive end to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he was taken in front of LeVar Arrington at two, Corey Simon, and uh, they were both Pro Bowl defenders. And then, of course, the big one at number nine was Brian Erlacher, future Hall of Famer, Brian Erlacher, uh, taken at number nine to the Bears. So, not good. Uh, but then again, it's the Cleveland Browns. So, who can say they are surprised? That brings us to number one, Dave, and anybody who follows football, at least in the past 25 years, will have to know what number one is. He was number one for me, number two for you, the first overall pick in the 2007 NFL Draft, quarterback out of LSU to the Oakland Raiders, Jamarcus Russell. Wow. I mean, so Jamarcus Russell's the perfect storm, Dave. He sucked as a player sucked as a quarterback but he also had the good fortune of being taken first overall one and two picks in front of not only first ballot hall of famers but maybe the best some of the best guys to ever play their positions so jamarcus russell was taken one pick in front of calvin johnson who went on to break the single season receiving record and is a future first ballot hall of famer and two picks in front of Joe Thomas, who, despite playing for the Cleveland Browns, and they made a good draft pick, and you believe it, uh, despite playing for the Cleveland Browns, is one of the best left tackles to ever play the game and is a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Jamarcus Russell is not, and Jamarcus Russell is, in our opinion, honestly, you could say he might be the biggest draft bust of all time. Forget about since we were born. He might be the biggest draft bust ever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of those guys where you just you watch him play and you, you kind of are curious why it didn't work out. Like, you know why he why didn't work out? The effort wasn't there. He never was a guy that put in a lot of work on the field. And obviously that lends itself to not being successful at the highest level when you have all the defense preparing for you. You have the coordinator, the highly successful coach, smart you know, defensive linebackers or whoever it may be. But this is a guy that is, like, supremely talented. I mean, he could throw a football, like, three yards on his knees. He could throw it from midfield to hit the uprights from his knees. So uh, it's it's one of those guys where it's always kind of going to be a what-if because he's so he could have been so successful with his talent long-term, potential-wise. But uh, it's very interesting to see because he just gained a lot of weight and really didn't give a crap. Oh. But that's part of why these coaches want to speak to these guys. They want to see, like, when they talk about defenses or offenses or schemes or players, like, how excited do they get? Are they intense? Like, do they believe in themselves? Yeah. 
uh, everything you say is correct. You know, he had a lot of talent, but it just never translated. Oh, and I also forgot to mention, uh, six picks after Demarcus Russell, Adrian Peterson got drafted. So another one of the best ever to play his position was taken in the same top 10 as Jamarcus Russell. Uh, For kicks, Dave, this honestly might be one of the worst quarterback drafts of all time. There were 11 quarterbacks taken in this draft. Uh, Jamarcus Russell obviously was the first. The only other one taken in the first round was Brady Quinn. That's really all you need to know uh, was Brady Quinn. Kevin Kolb was taken in the second round. Uh, a guy named John Beck was taken in the second round. I've never heard of that man before in my life. Drew Stanton, also taken in the second round. Trent Edwards, a third-round pick. Isaiah Stanback, don't know who that is. Jeff Rowe, don't know. Troy Smith, that name is familiar. Uh, Troy Smith, was he the guy from Ohio State? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he won yeah. the Heisman, Ohio State. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jordan Palmer out of uh, went to the, went to Washington, and Tyler Thigpen went to seventh round to Minnesota. Uh, Richard Bartell, Tyler Palco, and probably sadly, the second best. Or actually, sadly, probably the best quarterback to come out of this draft was Matt Moore. Matt Moore of all people was probably the best quarterback in this draft, and he went undrafted. To the Dallas Cowboys, that's. I mean, he's he's one of those he's one of those guys that I think he whatever reason put it together, and he's actually a backup. Like, I think he's the guy that everyone would like to have as a backup quarterback. And certainly not now. He's had some arm problems, and he's older. But for a while in his career, he's the guy that everyone wanted as a backup. Yeah, hey, he was, he was, and he uh, he's been a serviceable back serviceable backup really most of his career, but. uh Jamarcus Russell was not. Jamarcus Russell, maybe the biggest draft bust of all time, and he is the crossing state line's biggest draft bust of our lifetime in the NFL. So a quick recap of the top 10. Number 10, Johnny Manziel. Number 9, Matt Leinart. Number 8, Joey Harrington. Number 7, David Carr. Number 6, Greg Robinson. Number 5, Jake Locker. Number 4, Tim Couch. Number 3, Robert Gallery. Number 2, Ryan Leaf. And number 1, Jamarcus Russell. That'll do it for this episode. Dave, where can the people find you on social media? Uh, they can find me at Dave underscore Perfect, perfect. Uh, I am at Jacob underscore Morocco. The podcast is at CSL Podcast on Twitter. We're on Spotify. We're on Anchor. Go check us out there. Uh, this is episode 134. Be on the lookout for some fun stuff we got coming up. We still have to plan that Cats live watch. Um, we'll get to it. Don't don't you worry. Uh, and I think I have some – I'll talk to Dave about it off air. I think I got some interesting ideas for some episode ideas. I think we can kind of work some guests into it. I think it will be fun. But uh, – uh, until then, go like, rate, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Give us, uh, you know, go on Spotify, download us, subscribe to us, do all that fun stuff. We will talk to you next week.